Welcome to the second season of Inside Indie Games, brought to you by the UK Games Fund. This is the podcast that takes you behind the scenes to see what it takes to create a great indie company and to craft the games that people long to play. This season, we've been joined by a variety of industry experts, giving you their insights and advice on a wide range of topics. And on this final episode of said season, we're going to be polishing off our crystal balls and talking about the future. That's right, we're going to tap into the expertise of our superb range of panellists one more time to ask them what they think the future of the UK indie development sector looks like. Now, we always try to keep these episodes evergreen, but it's impossible to have this conversation without talking about the effects of the global pandemic in 2020. It'd be an understatement to say that the impact of this terrible situation has wrought havoc on the world. But how much has it really affected our own industry? Here's Gina Jackson of Sold Out. I think initially we all thought, oh yeah, COVID, that doesn't really affect us. We can work from home, we can keep going. Um, But I think we... Because of the groups that we're in, we don't see this massive change to the economy and people are going to have a lot less money and people are really going to be struggling. Um, And and at the end of the day, we are pure entertainment. So we have to appreciate that we're going to see a a dip in sales. Um, But also we need to... A lot of people I've spoken to who haven't worked from home before are finding this quite an exciting time um, and are finding this a different way of working that that does actually work um and they're in they're enjoying it um but we're also on the cusp of a new generation of consoles um that's always exciting we've got uh new tech new ways of using tech um we've still got the massively successful um switch out there which is doing some really interesting things so i think it's a brilliant time to be um an indie there's never been more indie publishers than there are today there's never been more investment around um, so I think the future's very bright, um, tainted by um, a massive change to lots of people's lives. And we have to remember that we are very fortunate in the industry that we work in. Tara Reddy, Love Shark. It's such a weird thing because in theory, gaming has grown like remarkably since the start of the COVID crisis. So more people are, the people are spending more time playing games more people are playing games and they're spending more on games. So the game industry is actually booming right now. So in theory, it, it should feel like, you know, that it should be easier to start a game company. But what I find is that people, the, the people that make the decisions in these markets about where to deploy funds, etc., they will sometimes find any excuse to, to sort of like see a risk in something. So prior to COVID, they would say things like, oh, you know, gaming it's um it's a hit industry or you know isn't gaming niche or um or you know teen girls they don't really game they're, they're not a, good, a well monetizable market um and now that gaming's you know booming even more than it was um a few months ago what they're saying is but is it gonna last you know so it's almost like they'll find any way to sort of pick a hole so i don't know i think what what might emerge now is that maybe different types of gaming are gonna gonna start to win. 
sense that we are, are confined? Is there going to be games where we can socialise with each other? I mean, we're already seeing that with, with Fortnite and Minecraft and Roblox. But, you know, there's also products like Bunch um, that's, you know, gaming or vi- playing games or video calling. You know, are there, is, is the gaming industry going to change in a way that people want um, instead of, you know, playing against bots or like online, like sort of shooter type games? Is it going to move towards people wanting more wholesome um, type of games? Maybe games where you're not killing your friends, games where you're collaborating with your friends, or just, or maybe just doing really like simple little little games just to to spend some time together. So, like people might play something like uh, Knots and Crosses, um, you know, are games like that that are a bit more simple, a bit more wholesome, but maybe more about the chat than the game. You know, like I'm, I'm quite interested to see if those types of things emerge. I think Animal Crossing has been like a really great example of that. It was always a game that was going to do well on Switch, but the fact that people are confined to their homes um, and have time, time to kill, it's just meant that you can, you know, build this very relaxing, wholesome little world that maybe takes you away from what, where the current situation is. Like I don't, I don't think pre-COVID I would have spent my weekends tending my virtual garden on Animal Crossing. <laughs> but, you know, now I am because it just feels like what the world needs a little bit right now is a little bit of escapism and, and wholesomeness and something that's that's got a bit of a community sort of feel to it. So I think, you know, that could be, maybe, you know, we're going to see a bit of a, a, a move towards non-violent games um, and more wholesome games. That would be great. Paul Kilduff-Taylor, Mode 7 Games. I think games, particularly small scale indie games, are, are among the least impacted um, by COVID. I think most people are used to working remotely. Most products are sold digitally. Um, you know, people are at home. They're playing games a lot. There have been some wobbles kind of in, in some areas sales wise and certain things. But uh, it, it, we, we've been very, very lucky. It's important to say that uh, as well. You know, it's easy to be very pragmatic about this situation and move into talking about, oh, we're going to you know take the upside from it. But this is a, a, a massively tragic and difficult situation around the world. And, and if you're in a position where your business is still viable, you know, be grateful for that and, and don't take it for granted because people out there really struggling for a huge number of different reasons. But yes, in, in the UK, particularly in, in indie games, we're lucky in that it seems to have been quite robust. In terms of changing things, I think it's going to make companies uh, more open to remote working. Um, you look at a studio like Roll7, uh, I was on a panel with them and they were talking about was talking about remote working. This was a few years ago. And they said publishers initially didn't understand it. You know, they wanted to see the big office. They wanted to see the whole team together. They didn't get it. That's going to change now. A lot of companies have been forced into this mode and they're realizing actually it works. Sometimes people are happier. They don't have to commute. We don't have to pay rates on this big office anymore. So I think you're going to see that become a lot more, a lot more commonplace. Um, and that means that people will generally sort of, it might be easier to hire full-time remote staff they might have that lifestyle set up a bit more so that's one way that things could change and, and i think that would be a change for, for the better david hamilton ninja kiwi we're in a fortunate business industry where it's not really affected us in terms of sales like everybody's still going to play games we've seen it with the reset the, the, the recession like we actually our sales actually increased because people at home they've got they're getting bored they've got nothing else to do so they play games so Yes, for startups, it's it's a bit of an issue because 
like even our productivity has probably slipped down to about 60%. Like it's, it's working from home is not the same as working in the office where you can actually physically speak to me. I mean, Google Meet and things is, are great, but it's, it's not the same. It takes, it takes, could take 10, 20 minutes to get an answer that would take you 30 seconds in the office. Uh, depending on if the person I'm trying to get in touch with has a family and distracted with the kids and everybody's living arrangements are are completely different. So we know that the productivity productivity sorry is is going to be is going to be down. But we just have to be fortunate that we can still move on uh, and and still kind of make games as we're, we're working from home. Uh, I would actually quite like to be in our my office just now to see. All the computers moving by themselves because everybody's remoted into their their desktops, so they're actually like they're sitting in the office, but obviously in the house. So I think, uh, yeah, I think after after this we'll be able, we'll be able to to get going again properly. One thing we've learned throughout the season is how resilient the people and companies working in this industry really are. No matter how tough things get or how bleak things might seem, there are always opportunities. Here's Paul Kilduff-Taylor of Mode 7. I think, again, because games have weathered the storm very well, uh, there will be even more people looking to invest, so there'll be more money coming into games. Um, You'll see more consolidation, you know, perhaps existing developers and publishers continuing to do well, perhaps hiring more. Um, So there might be a, you know, a better job market, might be easier to get access to talent. Um, More platforms are going to arise to enable remote work. Uh, So those are going to be some structural upsides uh, that are going to emerge from the situation, I think. But but ultimately, you know, I I think just the fact that we're able to do business as usual is really going to create uh create that upside you might see more people coming into games from outside as well they'll look at games going well that's doing well you know i know someone who owns a games company or i i've always wanted to work in games maybe i can use my skills there so yeah i think we'll get an influx of talent and money which is always a good thing shaz Yusuf, honey tribe studios i think there's a lot a considerable amount of people out there who okay they're in this lockdown or quarantine and they they're restricted in what they can do but they themselves are not, you know, they're not hugely negatively affected. I'm not saying that's, you know, a lot of people will be, but there are a lot of people who won't be as well. So for them, I think they just want experiences that help them feel socially connected. So there are opportunities, that's the thing we're working on at the moment, something that you, even though you might be, you know, hundreds of miles away from someone, the experience helps you to feel connected to that person emotionally. Um, So you know, as, as our lifestyles have become more digital and more online and this, the Corona thing, this kind of massively exaggerated that quite sharply, but okay. So maybe there's different opportunities to make things which fill a, a need that, that, that has been there for a while, but wasn't quite there as it is now. Um, so there's, yeah, there's always opportunities aren't there for new creative endeavors, which somehow help people's lives as, as our lives change on the macro well i think like i said it's, it makes people think more if people are at home more people are going to be playing more games they're not they're not in their daily routines they're not going to the gyms they're not going doing things at night they're not so that they're stuck at home so it's going to get people playing other people's games that might give them an idea for their their own games uh, i suppose when you start up as well most people probably don't have an office unless they're in an incubator so they've probably been remote working uh ever since they've started so they've probably not even taken a hit 
Uh, and if there's a small team, then yes, they won't be able to get together, but they can all do a, a hangout or a or a Google Meet. So, yeah, you just need to to make to basically think, think, think outside the box. Stephanie Warwick, Jolly Good Games. It's it's been tough. I think working from home has been tough for people. I don't know. Really, people have been more dedicated to getting the games worked on from the pandemic perspective. Um, we we've been struggling really with it. So I, I struggle to see too many positives. Uh, but everybody is at home playing games, and the Steam traffic has never been higher. So you can definitely make sure people are playing your games because <laughs> they have no choice. They can't get out the house. <laughs> Let's now take a moment to learn about the plans our panellists are making for the future and if they're much changed from, say, six months ago. Here's David Hamilton of Ninja Kiwi. Our plans are the same apart from we won't be, won't be launching the game that we were right in the middle of this year now uh, because of it, so it'll be next year. But yeah, I mean, I think we'll, we'll probably make sure that everybody's set up to be able to work from home better than it is just now uh obviously we had to do our last minute running about getting people's chairs who don't have chairs but i'm pretty sure there will still be people uh that work for us that are not 100 percent set up to be working from home so we probably need to have this in the back where we know that this could happen again and we have to basically remote working i just hope that people enjoy it once we get back in the office and it's this does not become the, the new norm as I mentioned years before, I, I used to just be a bit more, uh, let's say, introverted and think of ideas and think, oh, I want to make that because I think it's a good idea. Whereas now I'm thinking that's too risky. Just, in, you know, I've posted some of this on, on Gamma Sutra. So although, for example, Steam, they do an amazing job, really. I think they're the most advanced platform out there in many ways. And they're making it more accessible for you as a team, as a, de- as a developer, to put stuff out there and more likely that you're going to have success. Um, when I, l- let me clarify what I mean. I mean more likely that your thing will be shown to the kind of people who want it. It's still the case that only about 15% of them are going to have you know, significant commercial success. Uh, and you can compute that through the numbers that they've put out. So it's... My strategy is indie development is too risky to go all in on. So what I mean is to put all your investing, to put all your savings in, to put your credit cards in, to say, this is it, it's all or nothing. Either I make money from this or I'm bust. I think that's too risky. So I think a better approach is to say, right, where is their opportunity available? Where is their funding available? And, and I've discussed in many answers, there is a lot. And you just have to go and speak to these different companies, lots of different people, and find out where the opportunities could be for you, rather than thinking, yeah, I'm going to invest two years of my savings, and I'm going to just do whatever I want to do and ignore the rest of the world. I mean, it, sure, some people enjoy doing that, and they just want to be the, you know, the author, the author, but I think it's more practical to figure out how, you can, how your passions can, can fit into the wider industry without you personally taking all of the risk. Obviously, you're spending your time, so that's risk in itself. But you don't financially, you don't have to spend all of the risk. And and if you do speak to 30, 40 publishers and funders and platforms and, and all of them say no, I mean, I, that, I mean, they might all be wrong. That That is 100%. That's possible. And maybe you're onto something that's just too innovative and people don't understand it. 
but it may be the case also that they're right and what you're doing is doesn't stand out enough in a very crowded marketplace so yeah i think the strategy my strategy is the same as it has been for the past year or so of don't take all the financial risk and and think about where the niches are where the where could you stand out that isn't already too saturated we we've been doing this sort of process for so many years now that we are used to working remotely working from home meeting up maybe every couple of weeks in london because neither myself nor the creative director live in london only uh, the elite artist does but it's within distance that we can meet up and, and have a chat so it's not massively changed for us other than the meetup um but with with some of the conversations that we've been having for this second title if we do manage to acquire the the funding that is looking like we're going to there's all those plans that I said are a bad idea before, you know, get that studio in Canary Wharf. Um, but we, we are hoping that potentially next year we can have some space where we can actually work together. Cause I think we've been, I think we've been working really well from home, but I can only imagine that would get better if we we're in the same room. So that's, that's the hope for us next year is that we, we can have a bit of space to, to work together and then I don't have to do my day job and uh, neither do the rest of the team. We can actually have decent salaries. <laughs> Gina Jackson, sold out. I'm hoping that I can work from home more. Um, for someone who works in London, my commute is two and a half hours a day. So having that time freed up has been um, has been brilliant and enables me to have a much more balanced life. Work-wise, we're investing in in more and more titles, being able to see things promoted online um, in a much more democratic way. I think if we can keep that rolling after this and not make everything so based on uh, travelling around the world and who's got the money to have a massive stand, I think that makes for a better games industry. I think I've... During this period, I've kind of moved more into looking at a publishing prospects. So originally, I was kind of going to pare down what I was doing and, and, and sort of do fewer titles and do things in a much smaller scale way. Um, and now I've kind of become a bit more ambitious again, just because there are opportunities out there available and, and, and things are going well. So I'm kind of just looking to you know develop our catalog further, find more interesting projects, more interesting developers to work with, developers who can really create those substantial you know 45, 50 hour experiences that people really want. That's what I'm looking for in in products that I sign now. Um, so it's it's more a sort of um, acceleration of of what I was doing before. You know, taking advantage of that situation uh, as best I can. From the game perspective, they're not very different at all because we were we were making games that uh, teen girls could play in their home where they could post content to social media. So that actually still applies very much. So, but as a company, um, yeah, it has changed a bit. We've uh, obviously went remote very abruptly. So there wasn't much time for, for preparation and putting processes into place. I think, you know, I realised, you know, we always knew our team was very good, but I realised um, just how hardworking and, and trustworthy they are because nothing really changed in terms of the output of work they were doing. They just, you know, adapted and got on with things and they're very motivated because we all care about, you know, getting this release out um, and doing it together. Everyone is generally in our team doing pretty well with the work from home. I think they they've they're all very self sufficient people and they they just get on with it. But we do miss our Friday lunch. 
So we usually have Friday lunch, team lunch every Friday. We go out for lunch somewhere and we just, you know, have a chance to catch up and talk the non-work related things. And that, I think, is, you know, that's the thing that we miss is just those little social interactions. I think going forward, we probably, we were we were always fairly flexible. We, we, we would do a bit of remote working um, for the team, but it wasn't sort of, you know, the main mode of working. Whereas I think now going forward, we probably will transition to something that's more hybrid so that, you know, people can, can work from home. Uh, but we'll still try when it's safe to have our Friday lunch together so that we can have those sort of like in-person, I guess, sort of culture building sort of activities as well. But yeah, I mean, number one priority is keeping everyone safe, keeping them all sane. And then when the time is right, we'll start to look at how we can get together a little bit more. So what does the future hold for the UK indie development sector post 2020? Here's Tara Reddy of Love Shark. It's tricky because I do think that it's it's going to be a tough time for indie dev because we are entering a recession and that will mean that, you know, a lot of like early stage companies, they get their funding from, you know, angel investors or these little like little grants or things like that. And some of that funding is going to dry up. Um, angel investors might not want to take the risks any, like at the moment. Um, and, you know, potentially, I don't know what the grant situation will be like going forward hopefully that that keeps going and um, but the pool is probably going to get a bit smaller which might mean that you know it might be harder for new indie devs to get off the ground it might mean that that people instead of having to start their own company have to do a bit more of side projects or that sort of thing just until um you know things get back to to normal but saying that it's often said that in startups that you know the best products come out of the teams that are the least funded because you just have to think that bit harder. You have to work that bit harder. You have to really think through your actions and, and really put a lot of thought into every pound that you spend. So, I mean, it may mean that, you know, that the, the indie devs that do sort of come through this period are the ones that are just very industrious, very scrappy, the ones that are, you know, working closely with their audiences um, and not just relying on, like, a big marketing spend in the end to sort of save the day. So... I mean, it's hard to say, but I think it is going to be a, a bit of a, a tough time um, for like fledgling companies getting off the ground. Yes, yeah, it's, it's really hard to say, isn't it? Because as I said, in the short term, there is a lot of funding opportunities right now today. You can, you know, there's lots of online meetings now where you can meet a large number of publishers and they all have money to spend and they all have budgets that they, they want they what that they want to give towards new projects what that means for 2021 and 2022 and 23 as we more than likely go into a global recession that's hard to say isn't it because at some point presumably people are going to say okay i'm going to stop spending money on digital luxuries because because there are more pressing things at hand um so i i don't I'm not sure the UK is going to be any different from any other country in that respect for video games um, because it's a global market. Uh, I'm not sure if, at least for the smaller indie groups, um, you know, I'm I'm not sure if Brexit will affect us too much. It may affect like the likes of Electronic Arts and the bigger companies who have big studios all over the world and, and they're making decisions based on, you know, 
taxation based on strategic reasons of where they should set up offices it may affect those companies but for smaller teams i don't think it will but you know the bigger more the bigger global challenges that are going to affect everyone that just might you know dominate what happens more than any small decision uh, you can make yeah games is always changing uh, and it changes with technology so one of the big issues at the moment is streaming and i know it's pretty contentious in games as to whether streaming is going to take off but there's certainly going to be more weight thrown behind that so for whatever you know if that's an increase in uh, subscription based models or you know a kind of consolidation of uh, of money and power around the the existing platforms something's going to happen there i think subscription is is really developing the business development and marketing sides of games are really coming to the fore now i think uh, it's it's difficult to rely on just uh, storefront discoverability to sell your product you really need to be thinking about um, how to get it out there as we've talked about and, and those relationships with the platform holders that, that might give you an advantage there. So those are those are the real areas that I think we're going to continue to grow. You know, good business development and brand and marketing are the things that help you uh, ride those waves of, of a kind of volatile changing industry. Look at the, the companies that have survived and done really well. They're often the big brands that people recognize. Um, they're the companies with the really good track record. So those are the things that are going to sort of be the perennial sort of sticking points um vr obviously is emerging and i think it's starting to come into maturity now you seeing things like half-life alex and these big marquee titles that are coming out really bringing that audience into vr uh, the hardware adoption is going up the technology is improving the price points coming down becoming more accessible so all of that is going to create a perfect storm where VR is going to be a, a really significant component. Don't think it'll take over everything uh, immediately, certainly not not for a while. Um, there's still a few technological leaps to be made there, but that's definitely an area that's, that's fully emerging now to maturity. I think three or four years ago, it was fairly easy to say, oh, this is early stage and, you know, we need to wait. But now it's it's really, really growing and it's going to be a significant force. Well, I think that we're going to have a bit, a bit of a period of adjustment because uh, everyone hasn't been able to go and get absolutely smashed post-EGX. So there's going to be a lot of drinking after the pandemic, I know that for sure. But uh, I think uh, the opportunities for, for British game development are so fantastic at the moment. Anyone can really just put ideas together, throw a little game jam together, find a group of people online that also wants to support them in the game. The client I'm working with at the moment, we found two fantastic animators, one in Brazil and one in, um, I think he's in Swansea. But uh, we just found them on, on the Unreal forum and now they're part of the team and they're fantastic. And it just shows you how accessible things are and everybody's in it together um opportunities to get your money back as well is quite nice i always always advise people to go and look at bfi see about getting your tax back <laughs> um, i'm just so excited to see it because growing up a lot of the big games that i played were british you know those bullfrog dungeon keeper codemasters games they're really like a lot of quality games growing up were british and see a lot of fantastic british games coming up in the next few years as well so um, i'm really proud really proud well thanks for listening to this episode and indeed this season of inside indie games brought to you by the uk games fund a big thanks must also go to our contributors gina shaz paul tara david and stephanie 
they've given us so much value throughout these episodes and we are eternally grateful to them for their time and wisdom. As always, you'll find links to their work in the episode show notes and please do be sure to check them out. This might be the end of the season, but it is by no means the end of the podcast. So be sure also to hit subscribe on your podcast listening app of choice. That way you'll never miss an episode, as new ones will be delivered to you automatically the moment they're published. And for all previous episodes, as well as subscribe links, head on over to ukgamesfund.com slash podcasts. That's ukgamesfund.com slash podcasts.